Thanks so much for joining us today on Leesburg Community Church's podcast. If you'd like more information about our church, including directions and service times, please visit leesburgcc.org. On our website, you can also find notes and daily devotionals based on this teaching. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you liked today's message. We're going to follow somebody. We all do it. And there's a, a million things bidding for our attention, and will we follow it? Will we follow dreams? Will we follow ambitions? We're following something. And so Mark declares over and over again that uh, belief isn't enough. Belief, isn't where it, it, belief is where it starts. It's not where it stops. That we're called to believe, repent, surrender, and follow. That's what we're called to do. That's the call of Jesus Christ. And we're going to see that in today's passage, even the demons and the evil spirits and the evil one believes in Jesus. Called to surrender, repent, surrender, and follow. And so that's the passage we're going to look at today. We're going to look at verses in Mark 1, verses 21 through 45. That's where we're going to spend our time. Really grateful for Doug last week as he opened up the first part of, of Mark for us. And he unpacked those verses, the 1 through 20. And uh, I just got to share some news with you that... Not only did he do a great job yesterday, but he has, uh, he has officially uh, heard from the Lord and accepted the position in our church as our next youth pastor. And so you might say, hey, I thought he was already a pastor. He was, and he heard from God, and God said, hey, I want you to be with the youth, and I want you to serve the youth, and this is what I want you to do. So uh, he's our youth pastor, and he said, don't look any further. Don't go out searching. He goes, I want to do this because the Lord's asked me to do it. So be praying for Doug and Elise, and we're just really grateful that's what they're going to do. We're grateful that they're pouring into our students, and our students are blessed because of it. Already today, he's going to kick off with a leaders meeting and get all of his team together and share a vision and a plan for where our youth ministry is headed and, and you know, kind of some of the do's and don'ts. Don't hang kids by their ankles from the rafters. It's not safe, you know, and stuff like that. And so he'll get into all those type of things. If you've ever wanted to serve in the youth, now is an amazing time to jump in. I hope you'll, hope you'll do that. 12 o'clock today, and it could be that easy. But uh, hey, I just, I, we just, we're a church here, and we're a family. But Leon, man, don't, don't get embarrassed or, or get mad at me. But when are you guys leaving? Right after that. Man, we're going to miss you, brother. Moving to Oklahoma, right? Missouri. Yeah, it's all out there someplace. Uh, yeah, because that's all you really do, right? Man, we love you guys. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you so much for uh, this amazing family. Thank you for their lives. I thank you for their, their kids. I thank you for all that you're doing it with them and all that you've done with them right here. And you got them on this new journey, this one that's going to take them away from us and, and this area, but they're going to be moving into another great place, and they're going to be surrounded by more people, those that know you and don't know you. Lord, we just pray that you would expand their ministry. They would be, have this incredible ministry to other people, that they would share your great love with them. Father, you would knit them together as a stronger family every day. You'd meet all their needs as you have always done. And Lord, you would use the uniqueness of this family, the way that you've knitted them together, the, the, the special personalities that they have to draw many into a close relationship with you. That they would find a church that would just bless them and they'd be able to bless that church. And Father, they would have a, an amazing time in the years to come and as that becomes our home, either for a season or for a while. But we thank you for what they've meant to us around here at this church and in our lives, Lord. We love you, Father. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you. Thank you, brother. All right.
Ooh, sorry. Hey, uh, we're a church. We got to do some family business once in a while, right? Because we're a family. So that's what we have to do. Hey, let's get into this. So we're going to be looking at verses 21 through 45. Now, on your outlines and on the slides or on the screens, you won't see this passage, but I'm going to backtrack just a little bit to 16 through 20 when Jesus called his disciples. So let me read through that while you're turning to uh, 21 to 45, and then I'll pick up there in a second. So Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee. He saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little further, he saw James, son of Zebedee and brother of John, in a boat preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat and hired with the hired men and followed him. Following Jesus. That's what they were called to do. So it picks up right after heaven opens up and, and Jesus and, and the, the, the Father declares the authority that Christ has. He declares that, that he has authority over all things, right? In, in his pronouncing that he was the Son of God, literally that he was God himself, he let everybody know that this is the authority of Christ. And then his very first act, he walks out that we see Mark record. Because remember, Mark is writing to the Romans, right? John Mark's writing to the Romans. The Romans are all about authority. They're all about leadership. They're all about, you know, being the king and power and everything like that. So it's no surprise that Mark starts with power and authority. And so not only, does, not only is it bestowed upon him from the Father, but then he goes out and he calls. Notice he doesn't call these disciples. He doesn't call these, these men to believe in him. He calls them to follow him. And they do. He has authority over our steps, our actions. He has authority over our thoughts. He has authority over our plans. He has authority over our future. And these men leave and they follow him. But what I want you to see in there, I don't want you to miss this, is that notice that it also says, and I will send you out to fish for people. And the ESV, it says, I will make you fishers of men. You see, Jesus takes us just the way we are. He calls us to follow him so that he can transform us. He can make us new. He'll give us a new purpose. He'll teach us how to live this new life. And that's what he's doing with these men. He said, hey, anybody can fish. We can all fish. You can all go to work every day. But I want to do something different in your life. I want to make you fishers of men. Now, I find it fascinating. I find it amazing that what we see here is we see as he calls his first disciples, he doesn't say it's going to be about, right, creating this empire. He doesn't say it's going to be about getting a lot of people here to listen and hear us. He doesn't say it's going to be about collecting a great wealth. He doesn't say any of those things. He says it's going to be about people. That if you follow me, it's going to be about people. Because I'm about people. A radical concept when you come to think of the of, the, of the, who he's writing to in the Roman Empire. They weren't necessarily about people. They were about their empire. They were about conquering people. They were about, they were about lording over people. They were about their own wealth and their own empire. And Jesus is sitting here saying, no, no, we're going to be about people. Everything that's under my authority is so that people can know the Father and be united with him, that I can bring peace into their lives. So we're going to just unpack it as we go. So start in verse 21. I'm just going to read all the way through it. Then we're going to go back and look at a few pieces. Along the way, I'll stop once in a while 
as we go. So starting in verse 21. They went to Capernaum, which kind of became the headquarters for Jesus. And when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Just then, a man in the synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Declaring his humanity. Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God, declaring his divinity. Be quiet, Jesus said sternly. Come out of him. The impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. The people were all so amazed, and they asked each other, What is this, a new teaching, and with authority? He even gives orders to the impure spirits, and they obey him. News about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law, remember Simon was Peter, right? Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they immediately told Jesus about her. So he went to her, look at the gentleness here, took her hand and helped her up. The fever left her and she began to wait on them. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and they found him. They exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, let's go somewhere else, to the nearby villages, so that I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus was indignant. He reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. See that you don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Instead, if you have your own Bibles, if you're using that outline, here's what I want you to do. I want you to circle that. I want you to star it. I want you to underline it. Instead, it's a powerful word. Instead, he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. Let me just talk about that word instead real fast. I left it to the end last service, and I didn't get to it, and I want to get to it. That word instead is one of the great enemies of our faith. When Jesus says something, we're going to see in a moment, he has authority over all things spiritual, all things physical. He is the great God, the great authority. There is no instead in our lives. There is great consequence that comes when Jesus tells us to do something, when the Lord God gives us a declarative command, and we say, instead, I want to do this. Instead, I want to believe this. Instead, you might be God, but I think this is better. It has severe consequences in our lives. 
In this particular consequence, Jesus just said a second ago, I am here for the purpose of going out and telling everybody about who I am and declaring the good news. And then we find that because this man did something instead of what Jesus said, it became very difficult for him to travel from place to place. And you might say, what's the big deal if he traveled from place to place? I mean, let me read this real quick. It was from Warren Wiersbe, and he says this. The people kept on talking about both the fame of Jesus, as people kept talking about both the fame and the authority of Jesus. His popularity began to spread. Our Lord did not encourage this kind of public excitement, lest it create problems with both the Jews and the Romans. The Jews would want to follow him only because of his power to heal them. And the Romans would think, he was a Jewish insurrectionist trying to overthrow the government. He kept telling people to stop. There was still more work to do. He had a plan they didn't know and couldn't see. He didn't need the authorities coming down. He didn't need more problems with the Jewish leaders. He didn't need more crowds. He didn't need those things. Now, he could work his way around those things. He could work his way through those things. His, there is no way his plan would ever be thwarted. But he had a very distinct purpose for saying, don't go and tell. Just like he has a very distinct purpose in our lives when he says, this is right and this is not. This is the best way and this is not. This is what I want you to say and talk and how I want you to use your life. And this is not the way I want you to do it. And every time we say instead, it has ramifications because the Lord is always telling us what is good and best for our best, but also because he has a plan that he is unfolding, that he is using us in and he's using us in other people's lives. We need to do away with the insteads that are in our lives and become obedient people. Wanted to get to that. Little, little, little tirade there for a quick second, okay? Now let's get back to where we were at. So the very first thing we see that John Mark's doing is he's displaying the authority. Here he is. He's got his disciples with him. He's walking and, and he's displaying. He's like, listen, boys, listen, men, here we go. This is what we're going to be about. We're going to be about people. And let me tell you what that means when you travel as a son or daughter of the living God, that we have authority. And Jesus in particular is the king that has authority over everything that is spiritual. When we look back at that first interaction we see that he showed up and he began to teach at the synagogues because he was one who had authority. He was a rabbi and he was a teacher. The synagogues came around while the, after the temple was destroyed while they were in exile in Babylon. And what happened is the synagogues came, wherever there was 10 Jewish men that were gathered together, that became a synagogue. And a synagogue wasn't a place where the sacrifices would happen. It was a place where there would be reading of the word, where there would be prayer, and there would be worship. Sounds like church, does it not? And the synagogues wouldn't be taught by, the message wouldn't be taught by a priest. It would be taught by laymen. It would be taught by rabbis. It would be taught by a, by, by a board of elders who all submitted to the authority of the word of God, right? Sounds like what? The church, does it not? And so then what you would also have is anytime there was a visiting rabbi that came around, a teacher, they would give him, uh, it would, it would, they would give him access to the synagogues and he would begin to teach. Now, notice that they were all astonished and in awe of Jesus' teaching because he was one who taught with authority. He taught, he was a rabbi, right? They called him a rabbi. 
And what had begun to happen is most of the teachers of the synagogues, most of the rabbis, they were coming in there and teaching what other rabbis had taught. So everybody had a rabbinical tradition and they followed this rabbi and all the rabbis underneath them. Or this rabbi followed this one and all the rabbis underneath them. And what they began to teach was the rabbinical tradition of the rabbis and not the word of God. And here was Jesus teaching the word of God declaring it as truth, not teaching another rabbi's doctrine, but expressing and teaching the doctrine of God, his very own doctrine. So what was he doing? He was declaring the word of God with great power and authority, something that they hadn't heard. Quick question for us when it comes to teaching. Does Jesus, his words have authority and power in our lives? Does the word of God have that type of authority that we're still in awe and we're amazed at the word of God? that it has such great power, it says it can cut through bone and marrow and cut to the heart of who we are. Does the word of God have that type of authority in our lives? Are we still in awe over it? I hope that's the case for you because it is the greatest word that we have. The Christian publishing industry is huge and it's helpful, there's no doubt. There's books out there and there's all sorts of things that will help us to understand the word of God, yes. But nothing replaces sitting in the word of God and letting the spirit unpack it for us and being in awe of the words of Christ as he speaks them and the words of our living God as he speaks them to us that scripture says bring life to us. There's nothing wrong with listening to sermons that we're supposed to gather together to have teaching of the word and to worship we are. And in today's day and age, you could listen to Mark 1 92,000 times before you ever showed up here by teachers that are far greater and better than you'll hear here, that's for certain. But nothing, nothing is more powerful and has more authority than the word of God by itself. If you ever find yourself walking out of a sermon or walking away from a, a sermon you've listened to and you went, wow, that's a great teacher. Then you've missed it. Then you've missed it. What we want to do is we want to walk out and go, wow, what a great God. We want to walk out and be mesmerized by the word of God. We want to walk away from reading scripture and be mesmerized by the word of God. We want to walk away from hearing a podcast and be mesmerized and in awe over the authority and the power of the word of God to change our lives. I hope that's the case for you. And not only does he have authority in all teaching but he has authority of all things spiritual. Look at what happens next. All of a sudden, this, this demon starts to come out of, the, of this man and to express himself. I wonder how many times that man went to the synagogue and he never expressed himself. I wonder how many times that man with the demons that were in him went to the synagogue and went, yep, that's not a message I have to worry about. Yep, that's just the teaching of another rabbi. Yep, no big deal. And all of a sudden, Jesus shows up and he shrieks, whoa, that's a message we got to worry about, boys. That's one. Oh, hey, ring the alarm, sound the bells. Because Jesus, with all authority and the high power of God and, and his word that changes everything, that makes the demon shriek at just his voice and the pronunciation of his words. Because he has authority over all things spiritual. They know what their future is and they know who is in front of them. The human representation of God in Jesus Christ fully divine, I mean, fully human as he called him Jesus of Nazareth and fully God as he called him son of God. He knew exactly who he was and the demons were scared 
Why? Because they knew their end. Their end, they have been defeated since the beginning of time. Every battle they've ever tried to stake against one of the Lord's own, they lost. Every time Jesus showed up, they shuddered and they lost that battle and they lost it again and they lost it again. And they know what their ultimate doom is. Their ultimate doom is that on that last day after Jesus comes back and and all has taken place, they will be cast into the deep abyss. They have no other future. They have no other choice. He is the authority and the judge of all things spiritual. We will all be judged and there will be an eternal judgment on all of our souls and it will happen by Jesus Christ. He either knows us or he does not know us. We are either his or we are not and there will be a judgment. And that is the great news of today. We actually have a choice. We have the ability to know who God is because he has made himself known to us and has said, I want to bring peace between you and the Father. I no longer want you to be at odds. I no longer want you to be at war with God. I want to bring peace between you and I will give my life so that you don't have to give yours. I will give my life so that you can have peace forever through eternity with the Father. But the demons knew no such thing and they will know no such thing. Theirs is condemnation. They knew the truth of who Jesus was and it startled them and they were in fear and they shrieked because Jesus has all authority over the spiritual. Have you given your life to Jesus Christ? Have you received that great gift of salvation? Have you said yes to him when he said, I no longer want you to be at war? I no longer want you to be the Lord of your life. Allow me to be the Lord of your life. I want to forgive you for your sins. I paid the price for every one of them so that now you can live at peace with the Father and know life and not death. I hope you have. I hope you have. And I hope you have repented and turned from this life and began to follow Jesus Christ. He has authority over all things spiritual. Does he have authority over all things spiritual in your life? Is he the Lord of your life? All spiritual philosophies, all spiritual teachings, all spiritual understandings, all spiritual truth goes through the name of Jesus. Everything is discerned through him. Is that true in your life? Whenever you're contemplating something spiritual, whenever you're contemplating your future, whenever you're contemplating what truth is, does it go through Jesus Christ first? Because he has authority over all things spiritual. Next, we see that King Jesus has authority over all things physical. I'm not going to spend a lot of time here because we're going to go back over this over and over again in Mark. But let me just share this part right here again, right? As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever and they immediately told Jesus about her and he went to her, took her hand and helped her up. And the fever left her and began to wait on them. Here's the biggest thing I want you to see. There's no disease. There's no sickness. There's no anything that Jesus isn't the Lord over. There's nothing in all creation that he isn't the Lord over. We will see it throughout Mark. He will tell the storms to calm. He will tell, he will make food appear where there's no food. He will do anything that he chooses to do in all creation, with all creation, because all things physical will bow down to him. And you're like, okay, so he has authority over all these things. All right. Well, does he have that in your life? Is is he the authority of all things physical in your life? Because he is, but is he to you? What does that mean? What means this to start with? How about just, we'll take this exact scenario. You're sick. 
Is your first call to the doctor or to King Jesus, the great physician? I'm not saying don't go to the doctor. He gave us doctors. He gave us brains. He gave us all sorts of amazing things in this life. But is your first one to the, to the author and the authority over all creation and all things physical? What about when your son's sick, your daughter's sick, your mom's sick, your dad's sick? Is the first thing? And not necessarily, Lord, heal, although he certainly can. Lord, give us wisdom. Give us direction. What's going on here? What's the ailment here? Lord, we come to you because you're the authority over all things physical. We trust you, and we're going to need wisdom in the days ahead. And we're going to need to know what is best and right and good as we make choices. Father, I know that you can heal. I know that you have all the power. We see it constantly exhibited throughout Scripture. I know that you can heal. So, Father, we do. We call upon you to heal in this situation if that is your good will to do. Is that your first phone call? It's just a good test for us. Who has authority over all things physical in our lives? Our own understanding? Or does the Lord Jesus have authority? That takes some time. That takes some maturity. That takes some growth. That takes diving into Scripture and learning to trust Him in all things physical. But we can get there. We'll, again, we'll be visiting that over and over again as we walk through, as we walk through this. But again, showing up, Showing off the authority of Jesus, contrasting it just simply by the way he's doing it and by his great power, comparing it even to the power of Caesar, which Caesar does not have a power over all things spiritual. Caesar does not have power over all things physical. He doesn't reach out his hand and by his simple touch raise somebody from the sick. He doesn't get to do that. But Jesus does. So that's who these men are following. That's who sons and daughters were following. But then we see this. Remember, all those who have power in Rome, they lord it over others. All those who have power put down others that they would raise themselves up. They strive for more power once they have the power they have, and then they want more power. They have no time for those that are littler than them, those that are less than them, those that will not attribute to their power. No time. So what's the next thing we see? We see a contrast in Jesus that he has compassion. We see the compassion of King Jesus. Not only did he heal Peter's mother-in-law, but listen to what it says next. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. And he also drove out many demons, and he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. I want to share several things in this passage. So the very first thing is we're seeing not only the authority, but the compassion. Whenever we use the word compassion, whenever I teach from the word compassion, I'm always going to use this definition, no matter what, to suffer with. The definition, the understanding of that word is going to mean to suffer with. And that's exactly what Jesus is doing here. He's stepping into people's lives and he's suffering with them right in the midst of their pain, their difficulties, their ailments, where they've been isolated and ignored and where they are alone. And where they've been abandoned, he's stepping into that life. He's stepping into that moment, bringing his great authority, bringing his power, and bringing his compassion. I want to back up for a quick second. Remember Peter's mother-in-law? She was healed, right? She was healed wholly and completely. That's the way Jesus heals. Wholly and completely. How do you know Jesus is healing? Wholly and completely. That's the way he heals. Notice what happens next. What does the mother-in-law do? She gets up and she begins to serve. She gets up and she begins to serve. 
And you're like, wow, it's pretty hardcore. Must have been some dude there like saying, better do this. No, that was the right response. That was the most amazing, brilliant response. That was the most response of love that she could have. Here she was on her deathbed, presumably, right back then, fevers. Fevers would often lead to your death. And so presumably she was on her deathbed. Who knows how long she had had this fever for. And so what happens? Jesus comes in, touches her, had great compassion. She stands up. And what does she do after she is healed completely and holy? She begins to serve and offer compassion in the same manner. She begins to serve those who entered her house. Now, I don't know about you, but have you ever been inconvenienced before? I think that's a little bit inconvenient. Here she is, a bunch of people showing up to her house. She's been sick. She's probably all smelly and sweaty after being, having a fever for the last three days. Her house is probably in disarray. When I'm sick, my house gets in disarray because I'm like that baby. <laughs> don't touch anything, right? I'm that guy. And so I know what my house is like. And if you happen to show up at my house after I've been sick, I'm like, whoa. Whoa, hold on. This is an inconvenient time. It's not going to happen today. I don't care what your need is. I'm still getting over my sickness, thanks. Right? I mean, we're going to say no. Have you ever been inconvenienced by somebody? I think this woman was being inconvenienced. And here she is serving. Why? Because that's what we do when we've been healed. What do we do? We turn around and we share that compassion. We turn around and we can't help but to give ourselves. Have you have been healed? Can you help but to give compassion and love to others? You're like, hey, when have I been healed? When Jesus took your sin away. We've been healed of addictions and afflictions. We've been healed of things that chain us and bind us. We've been healed from anger and bitterness. We've been healed from isolation and loneliness by being brought into the body of Christ. We've been healed from selfishness and now we have a purpose that's far beyond ourselves. We've been healed. And for what reason? that we would stand up, rise up, and begin to give that same compassion, that same love, and that same truth away to all those that are around us. How could we help but to give it away? And that's what the disciples were seeing as they traveled with Jesus. How could he help but to love? For that's what he is. He is the essence of love. How could he help but to not do this? And now talk about being inconvenienced. Not only do they show up, right? The disciples and Jesus show up. The whole town shows up. How about that for a knock on the door? Hey, we heard Jesus is here. We're here. You got some food because we're ready to be healed. What? That's a little bit inconvenient. Now he's going to inconvenience us. Following Jesus is going to be inconvenient. You just have to know that. And the disciples had a front row seat for this. Oh my, following Jesus happens whenever he wants it to happen. We do whatever he wants us to do. He gives us influence with whoever he brings our way. And he says, now is the best time because now is when I'm doing it. Oh, we've been saved for right now. We've been given purpose for right now. And to follow Jesus means we will be inconvenienced. It also means that we're going to risk something. Notice what Jesus did. First, he touched the woman who had a fever, who knew what her disease was. But then it was more than that. He touched the leopard. He could have just looked at the leopard. He could have just said, yes, yes, you're healed. But he touched the leopard, all oozing sores and pus pockets and body parts falling off of him. It says that he looked at him indignant. And some translations take that and say, with pity or compassion. It was literally indignant that there was some anger to him. Now, we don't know what the anger came from. Was it because they doubted whether Jesus had the ability to heal? We don't think it was necessarily that. 
What we think it probably was, was that he looked at him this way because he broke every law to be standing in front of Jesus. He broke the law of Moses by being an unclean person who stepped into a clean environment, who stepped into the presence of Jesus, the living God, with this terrible, awful disease that he was supposed to be separated. Jesus could have made the choice to go him, but he was never supposed to make the choice to come here. And he looked at him because Jesus is a holy, authoritative God who believes in the word of God, who gave us the word of God, right? And so he looked at him with some righteous anger. We think that's what that means. We think that's where that's coming from. But what does he do? He shows compassion. Because we're told in 1 Corinthians 13 that love never fails. And it keeps no records of wrong. And he demonstrates his great love by doing what? He touches. He touches the leper. What? Literally making Jesus himself unclean and potentially a death sentence right there. Yeah, yeah, you're getting it, aren't you? You're seeing where this is going, aren't you? Right? The boys are with them. They're learning, they're seeing. This is going to cost you something, gentlemen. When you follow the way of Christ, it's going to be inconvenient and it's going to be risky. You might lose something. You might have to give something up. You might have something taken away from you. You might need to step into a dangerous situation. You might help somebody who, who quite frankly, are going to hurt you. Yeah. We must do away with all these words and phrases. Well, the Lord wouldn't want, the Lord wouldn't want could he have put himself in any more of a dangerous situation than coming here to be killed? Now, I don't know what the Lord wants from each one of us in each moment of our lives. Don't get me wrong. You've got to figure that out. But to show compassion, to live a life of love that he's loved us with, is going to be inconvenient. We're going to have to be available all the time. He needs to be the authority of all things spiritual and the authority of all things physical, including our calendars. And he'll direct us and lead us to where we will demonstrate compassion and love. Huh. And if it costs us something, if we have to risk something, then we go back to he is the author of all things spiritual and all things physical. It is up to him what we risk and what we lose and what we have. We're to trust him. Some of you might be thinking, well, if all I ever do, right? If all I ever do is show compassion, if all I ever do is give myself away, if all I ever do is do ministry over and over and over again, you know how tired I'm going to get? There's no time left for me. There's no time left for the things I want to do. Really? When the Lord changes your heart, it's amazing what you really want to do. When the Lord changes your heart and he gets inside you and he showed you all this compassion, showed you all this love, and he's, he's rearranging your life, all of a sudden your priorities become really different. But even aside from that, I agree, you can get tired. Because you might even say, look, if I'm always giving to other people, when do I fill up? When do I learn more about Jesus? When do I become stronger in my walk with Christ? Oh, so glad you asked that question. Because let us not think that he doesn't have an answer. So the next thing we see him demonstrate to his disciples, to his, the, the men that are following him, is the priority of King Jesus. Look at what he did. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and he went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you, Jesus replied. 
Let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I've come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out the demons. We must pull away. Uh, in, in, in spiritual disciplines or the habits, we call this the practice of solitude. It's more than just our morning prayer. It's more than just our devotion, which I sure hope that's you're having those times. It's literally taking time to pull away. How long does that last? Does it last two hours, three hours, four hours, two days, six days, a week? I don't know. You'll figure it out. What does it take to pull away and hear the voice of God? To leave all the commotion, to leave everything that's common, to leave all the demands. He left those people sitting at the house. He left and went away with his father to be encouraged, to be, to be, to be renewed, to be refreshed, to be redeemed hear the voice of God, to realign, to make sure that he was following step by step. For his great goal of being here was to glorify God and to glorify his father. He knew he had to travel a particular path at a particular time. He knew there were things to do. We live to glorify God as well. He has a particular time and a particular path and things he wants us to do. But we must stop the noise and close out the everyday to listen to him. You say, what do I do during that time? You grab the word of God, which is powerful, far more powerful than anything else. And you read the word of God and let the spirit speak to you through the word of God. You pray. Maybe you have your journal and you begin to write things down that you're praying. And you talk to him for sure. But then you stop and you listen. And you become comfortable in the silence, listening to the Lord speak so that his voice is the primary voice. And look what happened to Jesus. He comes back. And even though the clamoring was, let's go back and heal. They've all gathered at the house. He said, no, no. Notice, even though he's ready to give all the time to show compassion constantly, always ready to give of himself. There was a certain time to be one place and a certain time to be another place. He pulled away to understand what, what the next time was according to the plans of God. He literally left people there that still potentially needed him. Now, I'm not saying he ever leaves us. I'm not saying that he ever isn't with us because we have the Holy Spirit with us every moment. Remember, this is Jesus in the physical presence and what he's doing. And he went to another place because even above showing compassion, which he did throughout his entire ministry, he never stopped. He said, my priority is to declare the truth and to bring peace, right? To declare the truth and to bring peace. Sons and daughters of God, that's the same priority for you. It doesn't change. We're going to bring compassion. We're going to go suffer with people. We have the authority of God that rests within us through the Holy Spirit, which means literally healing can come to people. The truth of God can come to people through us. The, the word of God that will bring healing in people's lives, it'll come through us. We'll go and we'll show compassion physically just the way Jesus did. But we are here to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. We're here to proclaim that death is not the end of the story that Jesus is the beginning of life and that we have life eternal. And here is the path to have it. That is what we're here to do. We're not just supposed to bust open the doors, day 35 Lee Avenue and say, hey, we'll all wait for whoever shows up. Okay. All right. Well, I guess everybody else in Loudoun County went to some other church, I'm sure. 
I'm sure there's nobody else in any home anywhere because they all, if they weren't here, because this isn't everybody from Loudoun County, and, I, and I, a bunch of them probably went to Cornerstone. They have a good way of bringing in some people. Others probably went to McLean. That's probably good. They were probably at all the other churches. No, he didn't say, well, swing open the doors wide and just sit and wait for everybody to show up. He didn't say that. He said, the priority I have is to go around and tell everybody, go around to your cubicle. Go around to your next door neighbor. Go around to your family. Go around to your friends. Go around to your coworkers. Go around to your boss. But if we don't have the same priority as Christ, to pull away, to spend that intimate time with God, then we never question our priorities. And we need to. Because there's a real specific plan. And we don't want to be the instead people We want to be the sons and daughters who follow. Malachi, come on out here with the band. So here's what we want to give you the opportunity to do today. We're going to end with worship. We're going to end with declaring the great power and authority of the name of Jesus. And maybe this time will be your time. Maybe this is the time you'll be able to sit. You'll be able to pull away for just five or seven minutes. Maybe you'll be reminded that you've got to pull away much longer than that. Maybe the Lord will really speak to your heart about he's already put somebody in your life you're supposed to be showing compassion to and you will run to do that. Maybe he'll remind you that he doesn't have total authority in your life. You haven't allowed him to have it. Maybe you'll surrender that part of your life to him. But no matter what it is, here's what we want you to know. We want to pray for you today. If there's anything we can pray for, risk it. Go ahead. I'm going to be up here. And there'll be others that are ready to pray with you. Go ahead and risk it. Let us pray. Let's pray together. Let's have this incredible, amazing moment with the Lord where we understand his great authority and we surrender to it. I can pray for anything. Let me do that with you. Let others do that with you. Huddle together wherever you are maybe and pray together. I'm not going to make any bones or excuses about who we worship. And we're not going to hide. We come before the Lord in prayer and in worship. And the declaration of his greatness is the greatest thing we can do this morning. Church, do you believe that this morning? That the name of Jesus is the ultimate authority of all things spiritual and all things physical. And it's by that name that we are healed that healing has come into our life. And so we rise up with the living God and we are now servants of the servant king, bringing that compassion and bringing his glory and bringing his love into the world. Oh, it'll be an inconvenient journey. There's no doubt about it. And it'll risk. You'll risk a lot. And yet it'll be all about people. All the other things of this world, they pass away. And Jesus said, that's not what we're about. We're about people. Make him your priority. Pull away. Listen to him. Follow his word. Listen to his voice. May he set the priority of your life, of your day, moment by moment. And don't forget, as sons and daughters, we have the exact same priority to declare the good news everywhere we go, to teach 
who Christ is and what he's done in the way of life. Never meant for the doors to open and for people to come in and we would just wait. Oh, so glad you're here. Where to go? May you be praising and praying and thanking and living according to that beautiful name. Father, we love you. We thank you for the power that is in your name and the authority that you are. And yet you bent down into our lives and you had compassion and you pulled us near and you call us your sons and you call us your daughters and you say, I give you life. Oh Lord, we thank you for that. And now help us to go live, to go live with that great compassion, to go live offering healing, to go live for your glory and that it would shine through us. And Father, may you be our priority, our great priority, that you would dictate how that looks and when it happens and the way that it should be. We love you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Have an incredibly blessed week.